Welcome to the Geeks at the Gates. How are you going? How's lockdown treating you? Everyone okay? Yeah? Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, so, here we are, uh, bringing you something that the internet is more than happy to provide in large quantities, but that we at Geeks at the Gates have not done for some time. For the first time in quite a long time, we have four middle-aged blokes pontificating about pop culture. I know. I know. We've been sadly lacking in this department, but here we go. Uh, we have for you this evening me, Reggie Rigby, yada, yada, yada. I'm on every week. You know who I am. The welcome return of King of Geeks, Geek Pub Quizmaster himself, Steve Dempster. We have returning. We have Aidan McCaffrey. Uh, and we have a brand new Matt. This is not the Matt that you're familiar with. This is a new Matt. So welcome, Matt. Um, this is uh, a discussion that grew out of a discussion that Steve and Aidan had, in which they both discovered that they were not really enjoying three franchises that they had previously enjoyed, uh, to wit, Star Wars, Doctor Who and Star Trek. Um, me and Matt are there as kind of moderating voices a little bit. Uh, Matt is just all round analytical about these kind of things. Uh, and frankly, I'm still Tigger. I think Picard had its problems i think doctor who has had its problems in the last four seasons or so um i recognize the flaws in discovery and uh, as you'll hear i have some very serious criticisms of the star wars sequel trilogy still love them all though absolutely love them all but let's not preempt the discussion quick blast on the spoiler horn because there will be spoilers throughout if you care about that kind of thing and then we'll just get straight into it <coughs> Spoilers! Spoilers! So, obviously, the the whole reason that I I just thought it would be quite nice to do a podcast is Aiden and I were uh, kind of going off on one, ranting at each other um, yeah. about how we've not fallen out of of geekdom uh, or fallen out of love with geekdom because we're still giant geeks, but just kind of the for me the the sort of the three main the three main ones Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who. Mm. Just kind of done with them. I'm not. I'm not yeah. excited. I'm not excited about the no, you see, I think I might stay out of this conversation a little bit because I'm very much of the opposing view. No, but that's a good thing. That's, I, well, except, well, I, it, it I, is. Like somebody for it is, but not if we end up having a massive argument about me going, but it's great, and you going, but it's not because that wouldn't be productive. Yeah, but the we can use it to get to the because I actually slightly disagree with Steve. I think we've had the same reaction to Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who. My view, so my view is just that it's just a bit of a weird coincidence that those three things right now aren't amazing. And by that, I mean the last two, three seasons of Doctor Who have been weak. I really wasn't inspired by Picard or Discovery. And Star Wars is a bit different because I think there's been some exceptional films in the last five years, but mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like there's a set of direction. Okay. Um, do you know what I mean? Okay, right. Hold, um, that so for, I, hold that for just one second. Of, you think it's maybe that we've grown up, which I don't think it is. <laughs> I'm uh, not sure Steve, that it's, I, I know I, you well enough to know that you have definitely not grown up. Bear with me for one that's, second. That's, that's my point. I definitely know I haven't grown up. And I'm, if, if I have grown up, I'm quite scared of maturity because I don't like it. Ooh, this is going to be fun. I've got lots to say on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, the new Star Wars uh, films especially seem like a minefield because not everyone agrees on what even the best ones are. Do you know what I mean? Like, people who love Last Jedi hate Rise of Skywalker. People who hate uh, Last Jedi seem to like Rise of Skywalker. Force Awakens just divides opinion totally. 
loads of people love Rogue One, whereas I don't get really get it. The Mandalorian, I'd say, is the closest there is to everyone liking something, but I'm not as keen. I don't know. So okay. it just seems like the spe- okay, okay. So as, in that, in that case, if if I if I may, if I could just suggest to, to begin with, then one sweeping generalisation, <laughs> which would be quite fun for all of you to come back on. I would I would suggest that the three. Um, series that have been mentioned uh, are suffering from problems simply because they were uh, uh, products of the time when they were first created and 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 all these very very enthusiastic and in some cases incredibly uh, complex talented attempts at trying to recreate a magic simply just do not work anymore I agree um, yeah, well, I think that, so no, I don't agree. Chuck, chuck that one out. Yeah, I don't agree, but I do agree. <laughs> okay. And that's and how this podcast like works. Liberal Democrat voter. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I think the problem is is, and it's interesting that the three that you came up with as being the problematic franchises are Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who. Um, there's also more like, there's like there's Red Dwarf there's there's loads of other shows. But, but, but Red Dwarf well. have fallen into this bucket as well. They were all incredibly long running. And since the very beginning of each franchise, they've all had incredibly passionate fans. And I think part of the problem now is I'm really old. Am I the oldest person? I don't have, Matt, I don't know how old you are. I'm just turned 44. Okay, I'm the oldest person here. I'm old enough to remember because Star Wars. He, he knows he doesn't look 44. Thank you very much. <laughs> lot, I can't, see, I can't see you, Matt, so... Uh... Okay, fine. Um... um <laughs> I, I'm old enough to remember Star Wars coming out. Yeah. And when Star Wars came out, it actually didn't matter how old you were. If you liked Star Wars, and for younger listeners, when I say Star Wars in this context, I mean the film that you call A New Hope. <laughs> um, it was Star Wars to me. A purist, excellent. Uh, not, <laughs> not New Hope. Red just calls it Star Wars. Yeah, it's Star Wars. Star Wars. It's just Star Wars. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, Reg. Yeah. It didn't matter how old you were as a fan of Star Wars in 1977. If you were a fan of Star Wars in 1977, everybody liked it for the same reasons. Yeah, uh, no. Everyone's experience of Star Wars was the same. That's true. And actually, I, have ne- I never had that experience you had, but I have had that experience of when a film becomes a phenomenon and everyone of every age watches it. Mm. So Titanic was one of those. Because if you were if you were like an old person who just liked old style historical epics, you went and watched Titanic. If you were a young teenage girl who liked DiCaprio, you watched Titanic. If you were a guy who just liked watching Mass Destruction, you watched Titanic. It just tapped into all A's and Star Wars was sufficiently new and unseen. Mm. It came the gone with the wind of its day. It was like you've never seen anything like this on screen before. Yeah, but you the original trilogy because i i was 10 i think when i went to see turn of the jedi which was the first star wars film i saw in a cinema and me and even empire strikes back even at that point in 1983 there were older fans than me i loved return of the jedi unconditionally i adored the ewoks i was 10 it was aimed right between my eyeballs <laughs> but there were people I knew that were older than me who hated Return of the Jedi because they thought the Ewoks were annoying little cute teddy bears and they were having none of that bollocks. So even in 1983, an age difference was starting. Then we got the prequels. I was in my late 20s. Fucking hated them. 
Um, I was seen and I quite, I liked them at the time. Of course, because they were aimed at you. They weren't exactly. aimed. They weren't aimed at me. And that that's where we are with Star Wars now. People have a problem with new bits of all three of these franchises being not the thing that they love about the franchise. Because well, I th- because you, new you, Star Wars in, is not inadvertently. Hit new Doctor Who is not Sorry, and so on. You finish it. Sorry, I talked over you. Carry on. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, I think you've inadvertently hit upon quite an, instru- in, quite an interesting point. Um, well, I'd like to think Aiden, you did it on purpose, you, but yeah. You were, you were, you were talking about um, these movies becoming these huge kind of phenomenons. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and, um, and Reggie, Reggie mentioned that Star Wars was this kind of new thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I, um, with, with the benefit of hindsight, I don't actually think Star Wars was a particularly new thing. I just think it was lightning in a bottle. I think it came along at precisely the right time, but the only time that it could have come along. And when I say Star Wars, like you, I'm just referring to the 1977 original. Good man. Um, uh, as as we all know, it's it was a story uh, uh, based on fantasy myths. It had a clear definitions of good and evil, and you, you chuck in a, a, a little dab of science fiction and some Western in there as well. And I think audiences ran to it so much because it simply represented a version of storytelling that that's, that's been uh, that's been in existence for thousands of years. Oh, for sure. And I think yeah. certainly with the with that very kind of um, negative um, um, uh, political social culture that was around at the time in the 1970s, Vietnam War, uh, Nixon, and so on and so forth. I think it just it just it taps so perfectly into a zeitgeist at the time. And I think that that magic has tried to be recreated ever since then to, to great effect with, with, the, with the first sequel. But after that, I just think it, it, it kind of came downhill because one simply cannot recreate these things again. Wrong time, wrong place. There's an account to that. There are, there are things, there are franchises, there are ideas in history in culture of the last 150 years that are effectively recycled every few years. And we'll yeah. find it. Like Sherlock Holmes is probably the best example. Mm-hmm. You know, we get annoyed with reboots, like it's a new thing, but it's not really. They've been rebooting Sherlock Holmes since World War II. Do you know what Well, I mean? it never really stopped, did it? Sherlock yeah. Holmes is actually the first character I can think of who was killed off by their creator and then resurrected because he was popular. Oh, interesting. Conan yeah. yeah. Doyle was yeah. very much the Stan Lee of his day. <laughs> um, didn't didn't Dumas maybe do that a bit with the Three Musketeers? Possibly. No idea. Okay, I that's, think that's, that was... that's far too classical for me. Little, yeah. think... A little bit, but I'm afraid that I mostly I know the Three Musketeers from the terrible, terrible films they made with Michael York in the seventies. Yeah. Oh come on, they were not terrible. They were amazing. They were that first cool. one. The first one was superb. How could you say that? Actually, the first one is quite good. Yeah, the first, one, the first one is excellent. I think going back to the lightning in a bottle thing, because you you yeah. kind of got it there. The the original Star Wars was, as you said, it came out at a time when everything else was kind of you know doom and gloom and and tough and realistic dramas. Yeah, you know, things like the French Connection um uh, and, st- and stuff like that and yeah even even jaws yeah which is like the f- the big summer blockbuster um all the president's was, yeah, all the president, yeah still yeah. still grounded in reality and stuff like that and star wars came from out of nowhere groundbreaking special effects if you then jump forward to 2000 when you had gladiator everyone was saying this isn't going to work because sword and sandals epics just don't work anymore no one wants to watch them nobody wants to see them gladiator again was such a huge success did it win best picture that year i think it did 
It yeah. did, yeah. And, and then suddenly... But after it's, that, it, and it shouldn't we, have we, done, because it then, was good, but it wasn't that good. Well, because it was so, so successful, we then got a glut of other sword and sandals epics that were coming out not long after it. You had stuff sword, like sword Crash the Titans, yeah. you've got 300, you've suddenly Kingdom then got... Heaven. Yeah, you've suddenly got all these other films. And they've never yeah. really been as big and as successful as Gladiator was. And again, it's that thing of like, and then now obviously you've got the superhero stuff being leading the the way. And and where does Game of Thrones fit into that? Well, TV is different to to the movies, um, I guess, in terms of that. But it's it's that thing of like they found something that was successful, and then other studios and everybody tries to kind of <clears> cash <throat> in and, and and make the best that they can out of it. Uh, Game of Thrones is maybe a little bit different with it being obviously a book adaptation that they they kind of work on it. But I guess they saw that hey, you know, fantasy works. Lord of the Rings worked let's kind of go along along those lines um, and do it that way. And I just think it's, I, I don't know. Just, I've, I found that I'm just, I'm just not excited about the, okay. the big three that we're talking about anymore. We have to remember that Star Wars is still phenomenally successful. Oh, that, no, the highest grossing film in the UK and the highest grossing film in the US is Star Wars The Force Awakens by quite a distance. It's a surprising fact. Um, obviously not in terms of inflation, just in terms of pure gross. And all three of those films have grossed more than a billion. Rogue One was massive. Solo is the only one that's bombed. Yeah. And Which Solo. makes me think, is this a quality <clears throat> issue? I mean, there's definitely something in the fact that these well, just, just, years, just you do you have to you struggle to find new ideas in things that are that old. And with something like Doctor Who, I might just be a bit unreasonable as a fan to expect them, you know, twelve seasons in, three hundred episodes in, to still be making amazing episodes. Is that an unreasonable? You know, after start ten, after seven years of Star Trek: The Next Generation, they they packed it in because they were just like, no, we've run out of ideas. Yes, I, Reg. I think. Um... You're not unreasonable to expect them to still be making amazing episodes. That's their job. Now, I, I, I come from, I'm coming at Doctor Who from a different angle than you because I have absolutely loved the last three seasons. But that said, I'm also going to concede, well, concede. This isn't a concession because I've been quite vocal about this. We're, we're midway through a massive rewatch of Doctor Who at the moment and, uh, I think I, to be a lot better, didn't it? <laughs> I can I can very much the three worst episodes of Doctor Who I have ever seen have been in the last three seasons. And those, Which ones those, are they? those episodes are in no particular order because they're all utter bobbins. I think I know two that you're gonna say. I think Kill I the Moon. Oh yeah, that's not good. The moon Kablam. is an egg. Kablam, yeah. Kablam. And Orphan fifty five. Yep. Absolutely. Now, of those three, Kill the Moon and Kablam are actually really good, solid ideas, really good, solid concepts for a Doctor Who story. But they're dreadfully, dreadfully executed in some points of detail of writing. It's the scripts that are at fault. They're. Um, oh, I agree. With, I agree with that. In the cast, I mean, kill the Kill the Moon. The Moon's an egg. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> and you know the, the 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 things that attack them are some kind of viral antibody. No, that's not how that works. It, 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 the whole thing required me to spend my disbelief far too high. It needed some minor tweaks of the script, and it would have been a good solid episode. Probably never my favourite, but it would have been a good solid episode. Likewise, Kablam. The only thing Kablam did wrong really was is that there, the uh, yeah the one where Amazon is that is not the bad guy, and it should have been. Um, <laughs> 
the, my only issue with that is if you're going to build a script around people being oppressed, what you don't do is you don't make the bad guy the person who's fighting the oppression. Yeah. Which is what they did. And they didn't need to do that. That was a terrible piece of writing, but it could have been easily tweaked. Orphan 55 is interesting because it's technically bad on every level. The, it, was, the it, script, it, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even a full script, was it? The it script was clearly... feels like, yeah, the script feels like a first draft. The directing is poor. Oh, it was dreadful. The performances aren't awful, but it, you were very much into Harrison Ford territory of you can write this shit, but I can't say it. Um, yeah, you couldn't expect the actors to work with that script. It was yeah. excellent. You're not backing up my theory. I know you like the series broadly still. That this isn't um, this isn't a problem of us getting old or a problem of it being 50 years old. That actually they well, just have poor people in charge at the moment. Well, look, you see where I. But what I would also say, having acknowledged that those are the the worst three episodes of Doctor Who I've ever seen, and I've seen talons of Wen Chiang. So, you know, is that that bad? Yes. Oh, it's got the racist Chinaman in, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Don't 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 you think on on a whole that 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 Doctor Who has got um, a, a lot more creative freedom than something like Star Wars? For, yes. what, what I mean by that is Doc, Doctor Who is is obviously very long running and, and as is Star Wars, but <clears throat> Doctor Who is a is a is a multi stranded um, episodic um, type of uh, format, much like, <laughs> much like um, much like comic books. However, Star Wars is so is so stuck by by the constraints of the universe that it built, and and, e- and even in, even in a grand scheme of, of nine movies, there's there's really very very few kind of character or story arcs that it really goes on. In the first trilogy, most of the characters only go through one major story arc, whereas something like Doctor Who, I think, is much greater liberty. I think Doctor Who can afford to have bad episodes simply because there is so much of it. Agreed. And yeah. it's got so much creative freedom Agreed. for and having this best when multi-linear... Smith and stuff. There are bad episodes. There were, there were appalling episodes. Oh, God, there were. Starring Eccleston, starring Tennant, starring Smith. But, but they were lucky, they were not lucky, in that they had two exceptional showrunners. And broadly speaking, most of that first six seasons are really, really, really good. But some of it is, like, among the best television ever. Which, which series was that, Aidan? Basically, series one to six. Um, I'm basically supporting you in saying that it, those first six seasons are exceptional television. But even then, there were really shite episodes, <laughs> like littered, littered throughout. Do you think a lot of it comes down to showrunners then? Because you think it's the fact that yes. oh I th- yeah, I think, I think especially with Star Wars, they didn't Wars. have anybody at the helm. They... No, who, the, who was in charge? Who the hell was in charge of it? Well, apparently well, nobody in charge. So they do have someone, but I think... Because you could say Kathleen Kennedy, but she's not a writer. She's a producer. Mm. This might be the problem. I think what's happened is she's gone, I'm going to get top talent in to do this stuff for me. And on one hand, it's meant that they've had some slam dunks in terms of Force Awakens, Last Jedi. I know, well, I know this splits opinion, but they brought in top directors there who've come and done the job really well. And that's that. The problem is, is that because there isn't an overarching thing, there isn't like a Feige or someone who's got a rough idea of where it's headed. Um, it does mean it's slightly rudderless. And yeah, it might mean that you have some extraordinarily high peaks because of the talent you're getting in. But it also has left the fan base, I think, feeling unmoored. People don't have a sense of where it's going. The, mar- the first five Marvel films in the MCU, I'd say are roughly about as good as the first five new Star Wars films. There's some shockers in there. You know, Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, 
they're not amazing. They're not great films by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, Thor's but, not a masterpiece. But, but Marvel, but Marvel have got such, such a. There was a sense of where that it was heading somewhere, in the name, in namely that first Avengers film, and that's been broadly true ever since. Doesn't matter what lows it hits. Doesn't matter if you have an Ant Man and the Wasp. It doesn't matter if you have a Guardians of the Galaxy two. People sort of trust that Feige has a vision that is going somewhere, and he's usually proved them right. And people yeah. don't have that same faith in Kathleen Kennedy. I would, this, I would agree with that, but I think, but but Marvel has got a lot more room to breathe. Star Wars very, very firmly said that these that the last trilogy was the end of the Skywalker saga, and they had they had three movies in which to tell that story. And let's face it, what your opinion of each individual movie was, or. Uh, um, uh, aside the the trilogy itself, it, it was nowhere near up to scratch. No, it doesn't work as a trilogy. It's not it a trilogy. Doesn't at all. work at all. No, no, it's three. It's doesn't. three films. It's not a trilogy. Yeah, I, and I said this. I said this when Force Awakens came out. Why are they doing a trilogy? It's so arbitrary. They're just doing it because that's what they've always done. Absolutely. It's an accepted format, and yeah. Said, and I said that partly, well, partly because it's true, and partly because I love the characters, and I was like, why? If they don't know what story they're telling, if they are just passing the baton from filmmaker to filmmaker, which I don't object to, you know, they should have been standalones. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just yeah. yeah exactly. I'd agree with that. It, yeah. It, and if you're doing this, I'll tell some story, then you finish the sentence. <laughs> it doesn't really work on that level. Well, I think as well, in a way, it's the fact that you in your in your Marvel stuff, they're not all, and and, and I know Reg, we've discussed this on the podcast before. They're not all superhero movies they're comic book movies but you know one is a heist movie one is a political Absolutely. movie one is you know one is an origin story you've got a war a, movie one is a space movie you've got different movies and that's kind of i think what they should have done with with almost with star wars in a way is that the original star wars is your your classic adventure joseph campbell that's hero story the empire, but, the, yeah. but the empire strikes back isn't that at all the empire strikes back is 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 a much darker bleaker but it still uh, sticks to the rules though steve in a way, but what they should have maybe done with this new trilogy of, of Star Wars films, or just maybe not said they were going to do a trilogy, is have one as being your your soft reboot. You then have one being your, um, I don't know, more your, your war uh, movie. And then, well, which is essentially, I mean, The Last Jedi is essentially is a chase movie. That's, that's yeah. what it, it boils down to, essentially. And the slowest chase movie ever. Yeah. You see? And then the third movie should have been... The, the template is it should have essentially been an Avengers Endgame. It should have been this massive epic that rounds off everything. And it wasn't. It just was like, let's ignore what, the events of the last one, pick and choose the bits we like, and then just kind of finish off episode seven. Feel free to go into detail on The Rise of Skywalker if you want, because I, I've, I've tried re-watching it twice uh, since it came on Sky, and it's just baffling. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I know, Reg, you, you're, you're, you're a fan. You, you, did you like Rise of Skywalker? You, I know you, you, you praised it when oh, we saw it. I don't know now, if, if here's my, no, changed. Here's my considered view of The Rise of Skywalker. I really, really enjoyed it. I would happily watch it again. Uh, I think it's a thoroughly enjoyable watch. I think it's cowardly. I think <laughs> it made... I think if... If... Um, Last Jedi had been more loved by the fans, it would have been a very different film. Because, and but, and I think it, fans definitely, don't make it the films. definitely shows. The filmmakers make the films. It Except for Rise of Skywalker, where clearly the fans have it been heard. It definitely shows. Really, Steve? Some fans, yeah. Okay. 
Not the right Sorry, Reg. <laughs> no, it's, I, I think I'm in agreement with both you and Steve, actually. Because um, what I think happened, there was no plan. Yeah, there was, there was clearly no. It's obviously, there it's really obvious there wasn't. There was yeah. no, there was no robot. So JJ made his first film, and then. Okay, so I just need to butt in here for a second. This is future Reggie, just to explain what's about to happen. As I was speaking uh, over Skype, my wife was messing around behind me, trying to make people laugh. Um, this is the point where she was successful. I tried to edit this out, uh, but I I couldn't get rid of the reaction in a way that made what came next make sense. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, back to the past. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just doing irritating now. Sorry. See, this is what happens when you work from home. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, JJ made his first film. Okay. And he essentially remade Star Wars. Yeah, Rage, yeah. Rage Journey is very much like Luke's. Um, and then Ryan Johnson came. And do you know what? Some fans were very vocal um, about not liking the fact there was a person with lady bits in charge. And they were very vocal about the fact that it was a remake of Star Wars. It wasn't original. They wanted something new. So then Ryan Johnson came in. And because there was no plan, he gave the fans, or some of the fans at least, what they said they wanted. I'm sure it was his vision too, but he gave, he, he gave the fans what a lot of them had said they wanted, which was something completely different, and they hated it. And I didn't think it was a particularly good movie, but I, I, I really admired its bravery. I liked, I liked the beginning and the end of uh, Last Jedi. I, think it's, I can't remember what happens now. I think the middle bit, is too, I, I don't particularly object to the existence of Canto Bai. I just think we spent too, too, too much time there, and I didn't understand what the point of DJ was. Um, but oh, it, was just, it was just giving some characters something to do, wasn't it? Yeah. There was nothing particularly um, essential about that middle section. And I think Ryan Johnson was using that to, spr- as, to springboard the trilogy that he was going to make and now won't. It's very yeah, so certainly by by the very last shot, the idea of um, what do they call him, broom kid? Yeah, um, I thought that was quite interesting. The Me idea too. that loved it. Any, and what, anyone could have the force. What I loved, <laughs> yeah, what I loved about Last Jedi, and the reason why I will always love it, is when I was five, and I was I didn't see the film when I was five, but when I was five, and I was in the playground of my school with my Luke Skywalker C three PO and R two D two action figures playing with my mates, I was Luke Skywalker. And I knew, I absolutely knew that I could be a Jedi. I could have the Force. I could be that farm boy. Yeah. And then George Lucas did the prequel trilogy and took that. It's one of the reasons why I didn't like the prequels so hard. Um, George Lucas took that away. And said, no, it's all about family and midichlorians and all that. And then Ryan Johnson gave us it back. And I will always, always love him for Broom Kid. Well, that, that's, that's really what I enjoyed about it. Again, I didn't think it was a very good film, but I, but I really like the idea that it, that it kind of opened up the universe again. Mm. The prequels, to me, really shrank the universe. Absolutely. And this idea that, this idea that the, the midichlorians, you either had it or you didn't, and that, that there was always this idea of some kind of like lineage and um, so, as you say, when Johnson came along and opened the whole thing up again so that anyone could be a Jedi, I thought that was a really canny move to make. Me too. 
Yeah, I mean, you can see it so clearly, just even in the costumes for for Ray. In the first, in episode seven, she's in white um, because she's she's clearly the light side of the Force, and obviously Kylo Ren's in black. In in the Last Jedi, she's in grey because it's this whole thing about you know, there's no light side, there's no dark side. It's just you are a Force it's user, ambiguity, and yeah. that's what he's doing. And then. Yeah. All the way through um, Rise of Skywalker, she's back in white. She's back in the exact same outfit she was in. From the I was first thinking film. that same thing the other day. Why didn't was, they give her a new outfit? That was a complete thing. Just... No, I know the answer to this. I think yeah. it's because I think a lot of the Carrie Fo- uh, Carrie Fisher footage ah, yeah, okay. with her, it meant they had to give her hair back to what it was in the first film, so that it would sure. match. Yeah, and they were using a lot of stuff that they'd shot. For the Force Awakens, but that is such a lame excuse, though, for 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 not developing the film properly. But she still could have got, she she could have got, got changed within the film. Yeah. Leia, Leia should have died there and then when she was blown out of that cruiser by by the fighters in the Last Jedi. That should have been Leia's uh, Leia Leia's uh, final mm-hmm. moment, in my opinion. And then, well, or oh, they could have just given her the Laura Dern role and had. Uh, Princess Leia. Yes. Uh, yeah, oh, right. Like sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Well, so Ryan then, Johnson has said the reason he didn't do that is because he felt he had Carrie Fisher's final performance intact, and he thought it was best serving her legacy to to give them the final performance unaltered. And to be fair, I do really like her last line. It's one of the best lines in Last Jedi, and it's I think it's the last line in the film. Actually, is when she says, uh, "Ray says, how are we going to beat the First Order now?" And she just says, we've got everything we need, referring to just the 15 of them that are left from the Millennium Falcon. And she says, we have everything we need right here. I think that's a really hopeful message. I'm quite mm. glad that's I like that too. But then... True, but, but, it, but, it, but, it, but Carrie Fisher's death affected the storytelling. And to me, it just kind of breaks the fourth wall. Um, that yeah. they, were so, they were so eager to have her appear in the last movie that uh, her dialogue and, and the performances are completely inconsequential to the plot. Yeah. And and if and if Ray's outfit didn't change purely for that, she I mean they did, they gave her the same outfit and they just super glued a collar onto the back of his shirt. It was <laughs> and a hood, you know. She's not it consequential. Was... She saves Ray. Uh, Ren, sorry, she saves Kylo Ren. Um, does she? Yeah, she does. I yeah, thought, she does. I thought yeah. Ray did that by. No, she basically gives her life to save him or something. I'm not. I'm not defending it as being a good man. <laughs> but I'm just saying she is. She's but, but by that point, whether that's the case or not, I was so utterly disinterested in what really happened to Ray or Kylo Ren because it that's was so obvious. What was it's like I love those characters. I, I'm a massive defender of the Force Awakens as well as Last Jedi. In fact, I even prefer Force Awakens slightly. I couldn't believe how quickly during that first viewing of Rise of Skywalker, I stopped giving a shit. It's a really poor film, and and I said this before. I'm a big fan of superficially entertaining things. By definition, they are superficially entertaining. If this film had had like fun set pieces, fun character beats, I would have given it a pass in spite of the way it shits on Last <coughs> Jedi. Honestly, yeah. it doesn't have good action. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not well put together at all. It's really overly stuffed. Well, the, the big the big problem for me that a lot of these new films uh, have is 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 the complete lack of agency that the characters have. Um, do, you, do you do you do you understand what I mean by that? that yeah. The fact, yeah, the fact that the characters seem to only um, overcome uh, obstacles that either they put there for them 
or they overcome things kind of accidentally. They seem to stumble across each <coughs> success and each failure. It, that, that, that there's never really any kind of um, active decision making that's that's happening with the characters like the uh, Indiana Jones would have, for example. Sure, yeah, that's an interesting example because Peril, <laughs> as they pointed out on the Big Bang Theory, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The ending of that film would be exactly the same if Indiana Jones wasn't there. That's that's actually been debunked a few times on the internet. It was hilarious when that came <laughs> out. In the same way that that why didn't the Eagles just drop the ring in in uh, in the mountain for Frodo instead oh, God, of making that kind of worms. go through all that? <laughs> but it's 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 the same kind of argument. But um, but but all of the I mean, for, for example, in in Rise of Skywalker when they. They land on the desert planet. Oh God, another desert planet! And then they they accidentally fall through the quicksand in the exact space where the ship landed that has the dagger that's going to take them to the wayfinder. But this is it's all so coincidental. It's because they played the video games. They know what they want for the video game to be. Do not hold a new. But again, that that breaks the fourth wall. That's lazy writing to me. But yeah, but with that metric, so is New Hope. In a New Hope, they land on exactly the part of the planet where Obi Wan Kenobi lives. And Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um. Tatooine's a really small place. A big part of this thing, and there is always going to be. Yeah, I, I I suppose so, but. Um, mean, you, but by, you get by that, that. By that point, we were only five minutes into the universe, so geography wasn't really an issue at that moment. Whereas by the end of the ninth movie, now, where I, we're very, very I familiar think, with the universe, I think that is a problem. I think if you're giving Star Wars a pass for that, you have to give all the others a pass. And it, that's something I'm happy to spend my disbelief about. Yeah. My actual problem is, first of all, as I said, Rise of Skywalker is a cowardly movie. It's as, it's, it's as though J.J. got his toys back and went, ooh, people didn't like The Last Jedi. I'm going to, I'm go, let's undo everything. Let's Ryan just broke my you, Because I'll tell you what, right? You could have cut 90% of The Last Jedi out of the whole trilogy and the 20 minutes you had left you got to stuck into Rise of Skywalker and made it two films. Almost nothing that happens in The Last Jedi matters a jot to The Rise it's of Skywalker. It's really the sort of matter transference thing, isn't it? And, they are, and that, that is, if, you, if you're genuinely making a trilogy, that's, that's a terrible indictment of yeah. whoever the hell was supposed to be in charge of making a trilogy. And well, I, no one was in I charge like of it. making a trilogy. I like Kennedy, it. Kennedy I, think in charge. I think it's good fun. But, come on, it, it, it's a fetch quest, and it's not even a good fetch quest. What's a fetch quest? It's a D&D it's a thing. It's, it's, a D &D thing. Thing. it's where you've got to go and get something and bring it back, which is what yeah. they, all they've got to do. And essentially, they, the, the whole plot is driven by the need for these characters to go here to find a thing that will tell them where to go to get the next thing, that will tell them where to go to get the next thing, that will tell them where to go to get the thing they're looking for. And the That's thing they're I mean. looking There's for... No agency. The yeah. thing they're looking for is in the place that the person who had it last had it last. <laughs> they, were looking for, they were looking for the exactly. Emperor's thingamajig, which the Empire had, the Emperor had, when the Emperor was the Emperor. The last place the Emperor was, was on the Death Star, which is where they find the thing. They could just have gone straight there. Bad detective work. They really, um... really, really didn't need to do any of the things they did. And... That wouldn't be a problem 
because God knows there are any number of films with plots that stupid. Um, that wouldn't be a problem if it wasn't for the fact that I was thinking that all along. I was sitting in the cinema going, why don't they go and search the ruins of the Death Star? The Death Star must have crashed somewhere. Bits of it must be around. They should probably go to Endor, <laughs> which is where they went. And <sighs> I thought that the whole uh, the whole trilogy tonally felt quite off as well. Um, the the prequels take it, it take it to a, a very very kind of serious level. Jar Jar Binks aside, um, and and obviously there were humorous moments scattered in the original trilogy. But the um, the characters in this one, there's 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 a lot more humour, a lot more goofy humour, and uh, and and a lot more dialogue as well. I think than the than the original trilogy. There's co- they're constantly talking, 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 even when the lines that don't really seem to be of any any particular uh, uh, relevance or or meaning. There's just a lot of kind of needless banter. Too much exposition, not enough action. Yeah, the yeah, precisely. Yeah, the the rule of film is show, don't tell, and and there would it was just we we had to be told too much. Um, the another little question I had actually, uh, uh, well, one question. Um, Palpatine says in Rise of Skywalker that he has died many times before. So does that mean that that the Palpatine that we saw in the Return of the Jedi was a clone? That's the can of worms oh. we just can't open because that will just... The, right. the internet, okay. the internet doesn't know. Everybody's that's, got a different opinion. That's There's, a whole other podcast. That's In fact, that's a whole you, other you, podcast series. You have to read the novelization that came out well, after, which then well, tried to fix well, all the holes. No. But essentially... The, but this, all this discussion, you, all, all this has done is just confirmed my whole feeling because of all this. And the news that came out end of last end of last week that Taika Waititi is now going to make the next Star Wars movie. I don't care anymore. I am just to the point now. I do I will. I, no, the thing is, I will watch it, but I'm not going to go to. I'm not going to go to another midnight screening. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, I think. Uh, well, but, what even for Taika Do you not like Thor Ragnarok? It's good fun, but I'm not going to be first He's in line for it. Director, but um, but I just I can't really see what he could bring to the Star Wars table, particularly. But at this moment, I'm with Steve. I don't see what anyone could bring to the Star Wars table. Okay, now and here's back- the thing. Here's the thing, right? I, I as I said, as I said at the beginning, I, I'm coming from a, a, a different direction than you guys. I think in the I'm so going to go and see the midnight screening of whatever Taika Waititi comes up for. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you why. No, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And, uh, and it might be my age. When it, it actually doesn't matter to me whether Star Wars is good or not. And I'm going to acknowledge at this point that that makes me part of the problem. <laughs> okay? Because if, it's, if I am sitting in a theatre in the dark with the screen in front of me and... Those blue letters come up on the on the black screen a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I instantly and yeah, completely revert to being nine. You see, and I, I did... like being nine. And yeah, I did. I not think. I think the quality's not good enough. I think what Taiko Watiti and do you know what? It doesn't actually matter that much. This Taiko Watiti, whoever they had got to do this, if they were that kind of filmmaker. He's going to do his thing, and it's a standalone movie. And I think that's the way forward we, for Star Wars. Do we know that? 
I think we, we know do. it's going to be a stand-up. I, th- this, is, this is my issue now, though, is they've announced this before anything's begun, before a script has been written, before a, a story outline that has even been you know, finalized. Yeah. You know, there's, there's probably not even any concept artwork or anything that's been, you know, done yet. They've, they've picked what the, who's going to make this next film. They've made this big announcement that we're going to get new Star Wars. I would much rather that they just kept their, their cards close to their chest and didn't tell us this early on. They announced that Kevin Feige was going to do a, they announced that Kevin Feige was going to do a Star Wars film. They announced that Ryan Johnson had, would been handed a trilogy. They announced that the guys from Game of Thrones were going to work on the Star Wars guys, stuff. Yeah. All of those projects, as far as I'm aware, have now fallen through. They could have just, it just seems like Star Wars is trying to grab as many straws as they can and it, find one that is actually... Oh, but there's a reason for Desperation. That. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just got to the stage now, I'm sick of hearing Star Wars scuttle, but I would much rather them to kind of go, hey, by the way, we've got a film that we went, you know, 50% of the way through filming. Here you go. This is, this is what it is. Right. It's just, I think it's we'll just, get there. It's just gossip. I don't want I the gossip we'll side of it. I think we'll get there. The problem that we've got at the moment is that Disney paid six billion dollars for Lucasfilm. And somewhere in the House of Mouse, there is a room full of people who are going, we made our money back yet. Well, the and simple solution to, the simple solution to that is <clears throat> they just released the original trilogy untouched, and they'll make their money back. They, yeah. they haven't they got the guts to do that. That won't get six billion dollars. Trust me, it would help. It, it, it'd be some loose change in the pocket. But, then, but you're all right. Everything, all of every single every single thing you're all saying is absolutely correct. But th- but therein lies the problem. Hmm. It's a it, it's a cash cow. The original Star Wars was made on a really low budget. Hmm. Lucas paid for the second one himself. Because he had it, because he thought he was onto something. He clearly was, but now, unfortunately, again, the whole thing has kind of been ruined by this bloody money machine that keeps well, turning around. And Cal- well, Lucas uh, at least had. Sorry, just quickly going. The, and I'm actually bringing the the Phantom Menace here in a in a positive way. If you go onto the the behind the scenes oh, um, God, documentaries, Steve, on, wait, 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 wait. If you, if you look at the making of the Phantom Menace, they were working on um, production design and storyboards 94. and script. 1994, they had that, yeah. and they, that wasn't even announced until after the Star Wars re-release in 97 that they were working on the prequels. Yep. They, were, they were working it, and that's what they need to do, is do, don't tell us what you're planning Absolutely. on doing. Keep it a secret, and then tell us when it's... There's a, there's a great... It's not the point. I know they do these announcements like the MCU where they uh, sorry the Comic Cons where they say here's the next 10 MCU films we're making I think it's for shareholders and I think that's why they have to do it I agree with you artistically yeah, yeah. I think commercially they have to announce it yeah I think okay. I have to throw in here something that a friend of mine often says um, hello Budgie if you're listening you're not um, my mate Budgie uh, is an accountant a very good one a very senior one uh, he's also a massive geek uh, but oh, so he, so he might be listening then. Nah, he won't. Um, but one of the things that he said about Marvel, um, in a, a a discussion, all right, straight up argument that we had at a Comic Con a long time ago in Bristol. The point he was he made, which made him extraordinarily unpopular in the room, was Marvel are not in business to make comics. Marvel are in business to make money. 
Right. I, and I, so are Disney. So is Lucasfilm. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're never going to get away from that. I think it's fair to say that Marvel, Disney and Lucasfilm do a better job creatively of making their money than, say, DC movies do. Marvel, Disney and Lucasfilm are prepared to take more risks than DC's film division. All right, Warner Brothers is prepared to do. But ultimately, they're in business to make money. No, I think, and that's that's never going to change, and that's always going to colour what they do, and that's why we have these announcements and why we have all this hype. And yes. I know you're right. Look, you're not, you're not wrong, but I also think it's that kind of talk is the kind of lazy catch-all anti-commercial cynicism. All films have a commercial imperative. I'm sure some films. I'm sure Moonlight is not made when Brian Jenkins going. I know how I can make a few million dollars. But ultimately, there's a commercial consideration to all art, so you just have to judge it on its on its own terms. I get is I guess what I'd say. Oh, I mean, sure. no, I'm not I'm not making excuses here. I'm, what I'm saying is that's why these announcements happen, because yeah. the people whose job it is to watch the bottom line get nervous. I, th- I think you're all right, but in times gone past, I think at least the, the filmmakers in the studios have the decency to at least hide that a little bit. I mean, look look back to the heady days of uh, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think it's 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 so much more obvious now that they really are just enormous enormous kind of cash cows for sure for the for the studios. Yeah, definitely. But um, I think if you see again, I think something that's changed is it used to be that the people whose job it was to watch the bottom line were also people who loved film and yeah, loved yeah. story and loved the things that they were working on. So, yeah, with Indiana Jones, I, I'm fairly sure that the people whose job it was to watch the bottom line on Indiana Jones and, and at Lucasfilm with the original Star Wars trilogy and probably also the prequels, they were fans. They, you know, they liked Star Wars. They liked Indiana Jones. Yeah. I don't think that's true anymore. Well, they were filmmakers. Most people that own movie yeah. studios now aren't filmmakers. Exactly. They exactly. Corporations. Well, I mean, look at, look at, look at DC. Time Warner is now owned by AT&T. Has anyone read Easy Rider's Raging Bull? No. no, it's an amazing novel, a, a book, sorry, by Peter Biskind, and it's about Hollywood in the seventies, and it's essentially yeah. about. Uh, I, I, I have, I've read bits of it. I've yeah, never read the whole thing cover to cover, but yeah, basically yeah. about John Milnius and George Lucas and Spielberg, say, the Coppola, the, yeah. yeah, those guys, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it talks about how <clears throat> the old studios were owned by film fans, and it's in the seventies mm. and eighties they started just selling them to like the same corporations that would own like Pepsi. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's not a new thing. This whole money thing, it's not new. It's something that's existed since the 70s. And it's also worth bearing in mind that um, the uh, a lo- <laughs> Spielberg and Lucas themselves have been charged with infantilizing cinema. Because <laughs> in the 70s, <laughs> adult cinema was what you went to see. You know, The second highest grossing film of 1975 is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which did Avengers-level money back then. You know, we don't live in that world anymore. So, you know, the well, whole commercial thing is partly well, built of Star Wars. Surely that, that, that brings me back around to my original point, then, uh, that, that Star Wars was only going to happen as a reaction to pop culture at the time. And unfortunately, I think the brand has been tarnished. If I could, just, just, just briefly get just back around to Steve's original point when we started, and this, this kind of... Um, loss of uh, enthusiasm that, that you've got, Steve, for, for these particular franchises. I would say then, based on what we've been discussing, that um, I think Star Wars has done itself irrevocable damage 
And and yet I do think that things like Star Trek, although uh, I didn't watch all of Picard, I gave up and I've never been a huge Doctor Who fan. I do think that they are, those two are different genres from Star Wars and that simply because they are multi-stranded, that they can afford to have uh, bad series, bad episodes and bad series. Mm. Whereas I don't, I don't think Star Wars can. I think Star Wars has a, has a, has a finite lifespan of quality uh, or certainly a, a finite kind of storyline. And, and, and unless, they're, unless they're prepared to do something radically different with it, which I think Johnson attempted with The Last Jedi, whilst they're going to play it safe, I think the quality <coughs> is going to continue to suffer. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, I think that's I think wavering quality is acceptable in things like Star Trek and Doctor Who, simply because there is so much more of it. Yeah, because if you watch a bad episode, if you watched Love and Monsters or Daleks and Manhattan, or some like rubbish yeah. David Pennant era Doctor Who, didn't matter. Cause yeah. you're just like, oh well, next week might be Blink, next week might be The Girl in the Fireplace. It just didn't matter. Whereas from exactly. Star Wars, it's like. We're not going to get a film now for three years. Yeah. So that bitter aftertaste of Rise of Skywalker is going to hang around for a long time. I but- read um, Transformers from uh, the early 80s. I think I started on issue two, right up until about issue 400. And I remember um, going through periods of the artwork not being particularly good or the inking not being particularly good, but thinking it doesn't matter because eventually the, it, it, it will change. And whether that'll be a good or a bad thing, it will change. And I think Star Wars and sorry, Star Trek and Doctor Who have that freedom, whereas Star Wars doesn't. And I think unless unless people are seriously prepared to put to put the work in, and I think that means studios backing off and giving some good writers some more free hand in the story arcs, and, and, and until that happens, I think they should just shelve it. I think you're you're right, but um, I think what Star Wars is currently trying to do is make itself more like Star Trek and Doctor Who. Um, I think The Mandalorian, for example, is an attempt, a successful one, I think, to to a degree to move away from that trilogy continuity-heavy thing, and go, look, Yes. okay, hello, here we are. Here's a character that's never appeared in the thing before. We, 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 we're going to give him some backstory. We're going we're gonna to create some mythos that's never been part of the mythos before, but it's part of the mythos now. And we're going to say this is six years after Return of the Jedi, so we know roughly where we are in terms of the movies, but then we're going to forget all about all of that crap, and we're just going to do Lone Wolf and Cub in space. And it's also the fact as well with the Mandalorian that they've never even heard of what a Jedi is. They're like, what's what, you know, what, what's the force? Yeah, what's a Jedi? They, don't, they don't know what any of that is. And that's, I think, one of the things that there was an- everybody wanted when they heard they were going to make new Star Wars films is do standalone movies that have set in the same universe but have no impact on yeah. the mm. things that have gone before. You know, do do a space like that massive universe feel again. Yeah, do, yes, that do the some, original trilogy had. Do yeah. something about you know two space cops on the far side of the galaxy trying to, you know, arrest Can I just, drug have all, or something. Have we all seen The Mandalorian? Have yeah, we all I've seen all of it? Five, I've seen five episodes and I think I've given up. So do you mind yeah, if I spoil it? Nah. Okay, last, episode, last couple of episodes. Those two speeder bike guys. Yeah. Um... With that's child essentially in a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's essentially troops. The the spike yes. Jones. That's exactly uh, what it is. Yeah, and I think that's the the inclusion of those two characters. I think didn't Taika Waititi direct that? Episode? He did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
the inclusion of those two characters and that conversation they have with the guy on the other end of the radio. It's like, well, well, can we come in now? Well, he's just killed somebody for interrupting him, so I'd leave it a bit. It's, it's a fan film. And I think, deliberately or not, and you'd, we'd have to interview John Favreau, and that's clearly not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but deliberately or not, I think that's an indication that Lucasfilm is starting to move in, in the direction of bits, things that stand alone, things that are pulling from different bits of popular culture, pulling from different bits of Star Wars lore, pulling from different bits of fan opinion, and just sticking them on the screen and having a bit of fun, and then moving on. The Mandalorian, you mean small, I love, smaller but it's stories in a bigger world. Like, and I think it's better for it. Right. Well, we're going to leave it there, because we are coming up to the hour mark, and we're about to get into a bit more of a detailed dis- discussion about The Mandalorian, which, if you have not yet seen it, it is brilliant. But... Before we go, we've got a little bit of Science. with, as ever, thanks to Thomas Dolby for the jingle. Uh, now, this is great. Uh, I, I, this is my favourite kind of science news because this is astronomy. Uh, and astronomers have seen a planet actually in the process of formation. There's uh, a star about 530 light years away in the constellation of Auriga, the, ca- the charioteer. Star's called AB. Origai, 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 um, links in the show notes for the spelling. And it's a young star, about six million years old, and it still therefore has an accretion disk, a, a, a disk of gas and dust uh, circling it. And in that disk, they've spotted spiral patterns. Um, they've had a look using various uh, instruments on Earth and in space. Uh, the Hubble Space Telescope's been used for this as well. Uh, and they've they've spotted what is almost certain. I mean, it's impossible to know for absolutely sure, but what is almost certainly a planet in the throes of creation, five hundred and thirty light years away. That's astounding, and it's one of the things I love about astronomy. As always, it's a really visual story, which is not exactly podcast gold. But there are links in the show notes over at www.destinationvenus.co.uk. Please go and take a look because it is mind-blowing. And uh, also, big thanks to Hat for bringing this story to my attention because I'd completely missed it. So it just goes to show, you really do have to keep your eyes open. And that really is it for this week. Thank you for your kind attention. Uh, Just one more thing before we go. Uh, I would like to direct your attention to the website of Destination Venus, which is, of course, destinationvenus.co.uk, for all of your comics buying needs. They are beginning to come back in now. We're getting fortnight deliveries from the 27th of May until the end of June. Uh, And then hopefully, when we get into July, we'll be back to weekly. And maybe even in July, we'll be able to open the store back up. But until then... We are completely available to you online. We can deliver either by post or if you're in the Harrogate and Nesbitt area, and I know some people listening to this are, uh, we can deliver in actual person. So take a look. If you can't find what you're looking for, if you don't see what you want, shoot us an email, info at destinationvenus.co.uk. Find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. 
just search for Destination Venus on any of those things. Uh, and we will do our very, very best to help. Uh, thank you for your support. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Until then, be kind to yourself, be kind to everybody else, and above all else, stay geeky. Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. Us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeks at the gate or contact us on Twitter at geeks at the gates or contact us by email on mail for geeks at the gates at gmail.com that is the number four not the word geeks at the gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire